Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes and leave comments and reviews. The show is also on Facebook, Twitter, Google Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. The website for the show is theactorsroom.libsyn.com. The site gives you access to all past episodes. Enjoy the show. through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. And they did. Welcome back to another episode of The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and this is episode number 33. Here we are, and today we are going to highlight the movie Field of Dreams, starring Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, Gabby Hoffman, Ray Liotta, Timothy Busfield, James Earl Jones, Burt Lancaster, and Frank Whaley. I guess this movie made $84 million at the box office. It's about an Iowa farmer named Ray Kinsella, who hears voices in his cornfield telling him, if you build it, he will come. He interprets this message as an instruction to build a baseball field on his farm upon which appear the ghosts of Shoeless Joe Jackson and the other seven Chicago White Sox players. Now, these players were banned from the game for throwing the 1919 World Series. When the voices continue, Ray seeks out a reclusive author to help him understand the meaning of the messages and the purpose of his field. That's a little quick synopsis of the movie Field of Dreams before I get further into how I feel about it what I think it meant, what it meant to me. And here we are just right before spring. And the reason why I wanted to do Field of Dreams is because this is the time of year here in America, baseball starts. We have been in, they call it spring training, where the guys go out, they practice and practice, uh, they work on their pitches. They get a feel for the game again after sitting all winter long. Well, hopefully they haven't been sitting all winter long. Hopefully all the Cleveland Indian players were studying, working out, and making sure they are doing what they have to do to get back to the World Series. They got a little bit of a hiccup last year when they lost to the Yankees. 
But hey, you know, they were in that exciting World Series a couple of years ago against the Chicago Cubs. Very exciting. Went to extra innings in Game 7. I mean, that's the way you want it to be, right? Uh, so a very exciting time um, this time of year. Excuse me. Spring around the corner and baseball. You can smell it. You can taste it. I'm a big fantasy baseball player. Um, I've been playing it for, I think, around 18 years, if that sounds right. Almost two decades I've been playing fantasy baseball. My passion for it has waned a little just because I'm getting a little older now and I have more things going on with my life, so it's less time worrying about fantasy baseball. I still enjoy it, and our draft is upcoming on Friday night, and I will have a brand new team to kind of look over and just have a good time with. Baseball means a lot to me. Because it was one of the sports that I could play as a kid. I was sort of a small kid. Uh, I was very athletic, but small. And I was good at baseball. My summers consisted of playing baseball. Uh, I was in Little League, all that stuff. Just great moments in my life. Being on the field, playing catch with my father, him teaching me how to play baseball. Um, Buying my first glove, wrapping it up with a baseball, putting it in the oven rubbing it with oil. I remember all that stuff, and it means a lot to me. My brother played it as well. He's about four years younger than me, and I remember him playing too. We both enjoyed it. It was something uh, that you know we could do together as a family, going to baseball games and things like that in the summer as well with the family. Uh, the extended family would go too. So you can imagine how there are many happy memories between me and baseball. When I saw this movie for the first time, I was sort of taken aback by how clever the story was. Something so different, and that's what I like about this movie too, is the whole idea of this farmer who was played by Kevin Costner. He is a a kind of a hippie character in the beginning of the film. Well, not really the beginning of the film, but he has a monologue talking about his life, how he didn't get along with his father. His father was kind of much older than him, and so he was um, a rebellious kid, uh, was a hippie character, uh, learning about life in that way, growing up in the 70s. And he ends up marrying uh, a woman who sort of, I don't know, pushes him into being a farmer in Iowa, He decides to do it, and for a short period of time, he's a farmer. He's walking around his field uh, with corn all around him, and he hears a voice out of nowhere. Uh, He thinks he's hearing things at first, but soon comes to realize that the voice is real, and the voice says, if you build it, he will come. Um, Who? Build what? You know, it's very vague, this voice. It doesn't really come right out and tell him what to do. Uh, it's very vague and he has to figure it out on his own and goes with the gut feeling and he talks to his wife about it and explains that he just has a feeling deep down inside of him that he has to do this thing. It's important. It's important to him. Uh, he feels that he has to take a risk and, and he, he states to his wife, my father, you know, he died. I think he was around 80 years old when he passed and lived a long life. But Kevin Costner's character explains that he felt his father never really took any chances. And how could he live his life not taking any chances? So he needs to build this field. And he feels that he has to build it because Shoeless Joe Jackson, 
will come back. Because Shoeless Joe was Kevin Costner's favorite baseball player. So he goes out and he builds this field. A baseball field right in the middle of his crop. And there are neighbors coming around. And of course, it's a small community, right? It's in Iowa. It's a, it's a farming community. His nearest neighbor might be a mile away. But because he's plowing over his corn, all these people are just sitting there watching him do it, talking to themselves. Why is he doing this? Is he insane? And a little bit, yeah. But no, he's completely sane. But he feels he needs to do this. And he builds a beautiful baseball diamond. Just gorgeous. And he sits and waits for something to happen. And they show in the following scenes, uh, there's a, a winter that goes by. He's sitting there with his uh, really you know, ugly looking Christmas sweater. And, and then you know, I think spring comes by. And at that point, it might have been about a year with no activity. Every night, he stares out at the field, hoping for something to happen. Well, it reaches a certain point where they're losing money on the farm now because he plowed over his corn, and he must make a decision. What are we going to do? Should we build the crops back up? Because if we don't, we're going to lose the house. And as him and his wife are talking about this dire financial, just bad news, Uh, His daughter, uh, they have a daughter. His daughter comes up and says, Daddy, Daddy, there's somebody in the field. I hate when I stutter like that. I hate stuttering. It drives me absolutely crazy when I listen to other podcasts and I hear guys just bumbling and stumbling around with words. So I apologize about that. I'm trying to do the best I can not to stutter. and And it's been a day, people. It has been a day. It's Monday for me. And it was one of those Mondays that you hate, that you dread. Well, I had it today, went to work, nothing was going right. Machines were breaking down. The system went down. Um, And Mondays are busy. So, I mean, it's busy enough without stuff, you know, breaking and things like that. So it was one of those days. I'm very happy to be home doing this podcast. I couldn't wait to get here and do this podcast today. Because I knew I would be having a good time talking about movies, talking about actors. And uh, this is what I've been looking for all day. I am out of work. I'm back home. The kids are good. I was downstairs, made sure, you know, they're, they're, they're good. They ate dinner. All the homework is done. You know, because right now it's about 7.30, I think. And, you know, they're, I think my oldest, Madeline, said that she was doing a social studies uh, uh, homework assignment, right? And realized that she did an assignment that's not due until like next month. And the homework assignment that she was supposed to do, she has to do. So she she thinks of it as a positive thing that, well, at least I got the one done that, you know, is due a, a month from now. I could rest assured that it's done. I don't have to worry about it. And I said, there you go. Positive thinking. So I think she might still be working right now on her social studies. Um, and the other one is uh, doing just great. Um, she's in third grade, and her biggest thing is math, like I stated in the past. So she's doing okay. I think right now she's uh, she's sitting on the couch, and she has a tablet, and she loves to play Roblox. So I'm sure right now she's enjoying herself. But like I said, sometimes I like to insert what's going on in my life. And I just wanted to say, if I sound like a little, I don't know, 
sometimes I might come across as being a little sassy or just kind of in a bad mood. And I, I might just, you know, come off a little negative. If I do, that's why I just had a bad day. And I'm kind of want to brush it off with something positive, And that's this episode called Field of Dreams. Starring Kevin Costner. And I wish I had that voice. That uh, that movie guy voice. Is there only like one guy that does all those voices in every movie? And he's been alive since like 1975. Man, what a great job that is. You know? This week, coming out. yeah, And he's got that great voice. And there's explosions going on in the background. And he's talking about how, you know, the big star of the movie is going to save the day. God, what a job that is. To have a great voice like that, <clears throat> as my voice crackles, I could never do that. Sometimes I'm done doing this podcast and I'm sitting here and I have about like five minutes left that I know I'm just wrapping stuff up. And last week I noticed that my throat started to hurt. So that's telling me a few things. Number one, I'm not doing this right. I'm not sitting right because sometimes I'm leaning over. I want to make sure I'm close to my phone because my phone is actually my microphone and I don't want my voice to be too far away from it. So I find myself leaning a little bit. So that's not good. So I'm, there are a lot of my former actor teachers, acting teachers, just, you know, cringing right now at the thought of me doing this incorrectly, abusing my voice, not having my voice do what it has to do in order it to work perfectly. So I apologize for my horrible habits. I'm going to continue on talking about Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner, and I completely forgot where I was. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about um, the fact that Kevin Costner's character um, is confronted with the fact that he may lose his farm. That's where I was. He's going to lose it. If something doesn't happen, I mean, what do they think is going to happen? But he feels deep down inside that something will happen. He looks out in the field. After his daughter tells him that someone is out there. So he goes out and looks through the window. And there standing is Shoeless Joe Jackson. Played by Ray Liotta. One of my favorite actors. He has that look to him, doesn't he? He kind of looks like an asshole. And he usually does play an asshole. Or someone that's kind of cocky. Uh, witty. But it has that attitude to him. He just pulls it off quite well. And there are a lot of films that I have seen him in in the past. And he just scares me. And of course, all of us know him from Goodfellas. Um, but he is in this movie, a really decent role. And I guess the real Jackson uh, was a, a soft-spoken Southerner. And Ray Liotta is not Southern. He has sort of a, um, what you call a New York accent. And that was interesting that they kept in Ray Liotta's dialect instead of telling him, look, we want you for the role. We think you're perfect. You look the part. Uh, you act the part. But your voice will have to change because Jackson is Southern. And they didn't do that. And also, uh, I guess when um, Kevin Costner's character goes out there to meet him and they, they talk. And all Jackson wants to do is play. He wants to practice some baseball. And they're um, throwing it back and forth. Uh, Kevin Costner will hit him out some high pop-ups. And then uh, Jackson catches a few, runs back in, and now wants to bat. Well, I guess the real Jackson batted from the left side. But Leota bats from the right. And they kept it in the movie to keep with Leota not changing his stance because Ray just could not hit left-handed. 
And I guess Ray Liotta really didn't know how to play baseball very well. And they really worked with him. And the shot where Kevin Costner is pitching to him. And the ball is a line drive right back to Costner. That was not planned, of course. That was just sort of, it happened. They went with it. They didn't stop uh, with their characters. And Kevin Costner stayed in character. Really cute moment. I wondered about that. Because that was a real shot. And it just misses Kevin Costner. Uh, it goes right by him. And it's a shot. Uh, and it, like, I think it knocked over some things. And a really nice moment. Not planned. Like to hear about that stuff. And then they have hope. Kevin Costner and his wife and daughter see that there's like a ghost coming out of the corn to play baseball. And before Ray Liotta leaves to go back into the corn, he asks if his friends can come the next day. He says there are others and they would like to play. And Kevin Costner graciously says, my field is open to you. I built this for you. And of course, the next day, Uh, His friends come, and they are practicing and playing and having a great time. And so the story goes that it's not over yet. Just because he built the field, and there are these, they're called the Chicago White Sox players. Uh, They've been dead for a while, 30 years, right? and Or longer. And they come out of nowhere, and they keep asking Kevin Costner, Is this heaven? And Kevin Costner just says, no, it's Iowa. And then they say, boy, I would have guessed it was heaven. They love baseball that much. And when you're doing a profession that you love so much, and it's it's like it's not work. And Jackson, his character, you know, the Ray Liotta character, explains that in the film saying, you know, he looks around. He goes, by God, I have missed this so much. And his backstory is that he was kicked out of baseball uh, because that he was involved with that team in 1919, the White Sox. They threw the series, which meant they got paid money to lose in order for gamblers to make money on them. They got caught, and Jackson was a part of that. It's rumored that he was against it. But, of course, if the rest of the team decides to go ahead with this, this crap decision, um, there was nothing Jackson could do. He was, he was a part of it. Uh, he was banned and lived the rest of his life very depressed. And there's a story that Ty Cobb came into his store. I guess Jackson had a, a nickel-dime store. You know, just a piece of crap store, right? <laughs> I don't even know what they sold there. But I think Ty Cobb found out where he was. They were very good friends. And Ty Cobb went into the store to buy something to see his friend. Went up to purchase it at the counter. And Jackson said nothing to him. Uh, And then Ty's like, don't you recognize me, Joe? And Joe's like, I do. I do. I just didn't think anybody would recognize me. So it goes to show you that Jackson really did love baseball. And in this movie, you could see that, uh, that aspect of it. The fact that this character loved it so much, he says that he would have played it for nothing. For absolutely nothing. Everything about the game was appealing to him. The grass the smell of the dirt, going and traveling on the train from city to city, and and living in hotel rooms, living on the road, uh, playing the game like a little boy would, with heart, and it meaning something to you. Um, the, The thrill of competing, the thrill of getting up there and trying to get a hit every time you went up to bat, uh, you know, catching it and throwing it to first base, 
all these little things meant something to that character. And it shows Kevin Costner, who might have been lost in his life and having issues with his father, that there was a meaning to everything that he was doing. And the next thing in the film that happened that's important is that he hears voices again. And this time they're asking for something else. The voices are now saying, ease his pain. And Kevin Costner's character is like, he hears his voice for the first time in a while. Because, you know, he built the field. You know, there's ghosts coming out of the corn, playing. He figures, well, okay, we're going in the right direction. This is great. Everything's great. Well, he's walking back to the house and he hears, ease his pain. He's like, what the f***? What do you want from me? You know, wasn't it enough building this damn field? What else do you want from me? Um, so he is just uh, going over it in his mind over and over again. Ease his pain. Whose pain? Why? What pain am I healing? Uh, so I think it takes a little while and he's having dreams and just this feeling about a writer that was a big influence to him and his wife in the 70s. And his name was Man. And they explained that he's a recluse now. And the book itself, the book that this movie is based on. Okay, and let me go ahead. I got my notes right here. Uh, this film is based on the novel called Shoeless Joe. And it is a, a magic realist novel by Canadian author W.P. Kinsella. The book was written as Kinsella attended a writer's workshop in Iowa and decided to incorporate the stories he told about the Black Sox scandal. Imagining if Shoeless Joe Jackson came back to the same city Kinsella was living in, Iowa City. So the movie was based on this book. And the author, W.P. Kinsella, had um, the writer of Catcher in the Rye, that recluse himself. And why am I forgetting his name? I'm going to look that up. J.D. Salinger, that's it. Uh, Because Salinger was kind of a dick, and he was, uh, he actually uh, found out about this book and the fact that the author placed him into the story as one of the characters. He didn't like it, and he threatened to sue. What a a great guy. And I understand he's a private guy. He didn't want anything about his life out there, and I get that. But when you start doing a profession that might put you into the spotlight in some way. And being a writer, you take on that responsibility that if your stuff becomes big, guess what? You're going to be get, getting big. That's reality. Um, so I'm on the wall with these uh, artists that want to be left alone. Like I get the difference between, okay, just you know, leave me alone today. I'm kind of, you know, I don't want to do autographs today. You know, I'm sure you're just not in the mood some days. I get that. But to completely shut off people uh, like who appreciate your work too, like, well, then why did you write the book then? I mean, what's, I mean, then maybe you shouldn't have written the book. Obviously, uh, it just, I don't know. It's a turnoff for me. Um, but he threatened to sue them, so they had to pick another character, and they chose um, a guy named Arthur Mann to kind of portray the J.D. Salinger type in the film. And it worked out quite well. The casting of James Earl Jones, gotta love it, really good. Can't beat that voice unless you're Morgan Freeman. Those two, man, they can go into a voice-off. The way the the pipes on those guys are just tremendous. 
And James Earl Jones is another fantastic actor. You know, the voice of Darth Vader. And he does very well in this film. There are some really great scenes between him and Kevin Costner. Uh, there were a few deleted scenes that I found out about uh, between the two of those actors. And I wish they would have kept every scene they had between the two of them. Uh, because uh, one of the great things about that movie is Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones acting alongside one another. Wonderfully done. They react very nicely off of one another. I don't know how much rehearsal they had. Um, if they did have rehearsal, they used it well. If they didn't, I guess they didn't need it. Those two are just titan actors. I don't think I talk about Kevin Costner as much as I should in my previous episodes. Um, but we're going to talk about him in the future in a solo uh, episode just titled Kevin Costner. Anyways, Kevin Costner's character tells his wife that he feels that he has to see this Arthur man, the writer, she says, and he feels that reaching out to him will give him an answer. And she's kind of thinking, this, my husband's crazy. He's absolutely insane. Go ahead, fine. Uh, you know, you're crazy. And then she remembers something about a dream she had the night before. She dreamt that Kevin Costner was sitting down in a stadium with Arthur Mann, okay? And explains that, you know, you were in a certain park too. Like, there was something really distinct about it. And he asked, did it have a green wall? And she says, yes, that's Fenway Park. She said, we had the same dream. Okay, you're going. She's now convinced that whatever is going on has a meaning, and he has to go to Boston, to talk to Arthur Mann. And uh, before I go any further, I want to correct myself. I keep saying Arthur. It's not Arthur Mann. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like, wait a second. I'm saying something wrong. The character in the film that is played by James Earl Jones, his name is Terrence Mann. And I'm glad I caught that now. And I didn't go through the whole freaking episode saying the wrong name. Because when I go back and listen, I would not have cut that out. Because I would have to keep on cutting out Arthur, and it would have sounded really weird if I cut out just the first name, and you hear, and yeah, yeah, it's tight, man, and uh, then the character, man, um, so I'm glad I did that now, it's Terrence Mann, so he goes out to Boston, meets him, and it's a strange sort of encounter, because Terrence Mann is a recluse, and he doesn't like people bothering him, and Kevin Costner keeps bugging him and bugging him, saying, I have to take you to a baseball game, he says, fine, will it if you, will you leave me alone if I go with you? He says, yes. Uh, they go to the game, and during the game, they're sitting there, and there's a message on the scoreboard about a player called Moonlight Graham, and he only had one at bat in the majors. So Kevin Costner's thinking, okay, this is the guy that I have to ease his pain. And uh, in some weird way, he's thinking, well, I don't know why I had to have Terrence Mann with me, but I got the message. And now I have a new direction to go into. And he feels that he has wasted Terrence Mann's time and that he apologizes. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. And uh, I will leave you alone now. Terrence Mann is a bit intrigued about what's going on. And he says, you saw something on that uh, scoreboard, didn't you? And he says, yeah. He says, well, what did it say? And he said, leave the man alone. He's done enough. You know, and Terrence Mann's like, fine. And he leaves the van and as Kevin Costner is trying to uh, turn the van around to leave, Terrence Mann's standing there in front of him. And Kevin Costner gets out of the van and says, What is it, man? What? 
and Terrence Mann's like, Moonlight Graham, or something like that. And he's like, you saw it too. He goes, am I going crazy? So obviously Terrence Mann's involved, and he's like, well, what do we do now? He goes, well, we got to find Moonlight Graham. So both of them head out and think that they're going to find Moonlight Graham, but they don't. He had passed on, and so they start learning about Terrence. Terrence Mann starts asking questions about uh, Moonlight Graham and who he was as a person. They found out he was just a gem of a guy. He loved his wife, and he did play baseball way back in the day, and he always talked about how much he missed it. Well, they figure, well, it might just be a good story, and we'll see what happens. And they're heading back, and they pick up a hitchhiker, uh, which is kind of strange, right? And they're driving back to uh, wherever it is, they're Boston, right? And uh, both Kevin Costner and uh, James Earl Jones look over and see this hitchhiker, this young kid with like a sack and, uh, and a baseball mitt. And they're thinking, should we pick him up? And uh, James Earl Jones is like, why not? So they pick him up and they, they, you know, get, he hops into the van and they ask him what his name is. And he says, Moonlight Graham. And they just look at each other and go, oh, where the fuck are we? This is the Twilight Zone. There's no doubt about it. We're on another plane. Like, this is what I thought about this movie, too. Is it like they're on it, like, in a different dimension? And that's something to discuss about this movie. Is uh, sometimes being caught in between dimensions. And I don't really study this thing. I don't know. There might be people out there that have about dimensions and how they work. And if it's possible... Are there stories out there of people experiencing, you know, being caught in between dimensions and uh, being caught in between reality and some other reality, so to speak? Really mind-blowing stuff and uh, getting deep into those sort of things sort of scares me. It's interesting as hell. I mean, if that has anything to do with this movie, that's brilliant work. I mean, that's digging deep into thought. And then putting that into a, a film and making it work. And it does work in this movie. So they got this kid, Moonlight Graham, who had died years before at an old age, now sitting in their back seat as a kid. I mean, I, taking a look at it, the actor that plays him is Frank Whaley. And he plays Moonlight Graham. Young looking kid, probably 18, 19 years old and bright eyed bright eyed for baseball and they say well what are you doing kid he goes well I'm going from place to place working wherever I can but I want to get onto a minor league club that's my dream I'm going to play baseball and what do they do they decide to drive him they go like listen kid we know exactly where to take you and they take him to the field they take him to the field and he gets out there He's hitting the ball. He's catching the ball. He's making everybody around him smile. And I think at one point he actually hits a sacrifice fly out to left field. And everybody's congratulating him. And he's doing a good job on the field. And what happens next is that Kevin Costner and his family are watching the game. um, And uh, his daughter falls over because... uh, Kevin Costner is having a fight with his brother-in-law about losing the farm. And I guess... What the deal is, is that not everybody can see the field. If you don't believe in it and you're sort of shrouded with, uh, you know, not believing in certain things like Santa Claus uh, and they're not seeing the players on the field like the rest of his family. They're telling him, you're going to lose the farm, Ray. 
you build field in the middle of your crop, you're going to lose all of your money and your house and the farm. You're an idiot. And, you know, Kevin Costner and his family see this wonderful thing happening on the field. And his brother-in-law doesn't see it because he doesn't believe it. Uh, Well, I guess when the daughter falls, she falls over and she gets a hot dog caught in her throat and she's choking. She's dying. Well, Moonlight Graham was a doctor when he was an older man. And the kid, the younger Moonlight Graham, he's on the field, right? Playing with all the ghosts. Sees that this little girl is choking and has to make a decision. Once you leave the field, you can never go back. So he decides to step over the field into reality to save the girl and and get the piece of hot dog out of her throat. He made a really tough decision, but felt that saving that little girl's life would mean more to him. And it did. That was what he loved better than baseball. A little, and this is Burt Lancaster as the old Moonlight Graham comes on and saves the girl. And they all say, you know what, Moonlight, you were good. And I think it was Joe Jackson that said it to him. Really touching moment. I feel that. I felt that right now as I said it. You know, getting uh, praise from those that we admire, uh, respect. Saying, you know what, kid? You were good. You could have been good. And that meant the world to him. And he could go on and move forward. Whatever the next journey is uh, for Moonlight Graham as he walked into the corn and disappeared. And then, as the ghosts slash baseball players are wrapping things up and leaving for the day, um, and I want to point this out too before I move any further. When the little girl choked and, uh, you know, the young Moonlight Graham ghost came over and crossed over from reality and became the old Moonlight Graham to save the girl, it was the brother-in-law that finally had to see what was going on and then was able to see all the other players on the field and explain that, don't do anything, Ray. You got to keep this field, Ray. You know, and, you know, he's because he finally saw it. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Uh, So everybody was on board. So getting back to the ghost slash players are wrapping things up and they're about to leave for the evening. They're done. They're going to go out into the corn and disappear. They look over and uh, very broadly and generally say, "Uh, do you want to come with us? And Terrence Mann and Kevin Costner's uh, character are standing there. And Kevin Costner says, well, out there? You know, because he's very interested to know what is out there. Well, anybody would. I mean, he sees these ghosts playing and they disappear into the corn. He wants to know what's over there. What's in that corn? And so when he says, do you want to come with us? Kevin Costner's intrigued and says, out there? And then... Uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, the one that asked, you know, do you want to come with us, says, no, I'm not talking to you. And then he looks over at Terrence Mann, you know, James Earl Jones's character. And, uh, you know, Terrence Mann is really intrigued. And then, you know, Kevin Costner is sort of, you know, insulted. He's offended by the fact that, why are you asking him? I built this field. I want to know what's out there. I want to I know what's out there in that corn. I, I have a right to see it. And Jackson says, well, you're not invited. And Terrence Mann's character is. Um, And Terrence decides that he should go. Um, And uh, Kevin's like, well, you better give me a full report. Because he's a writer. And uh, he says, I I will. Um, 
and he goes off into the corn, and Shoeless Joe Jackson's standing there with a smirk on his face. And Kevin Costner says, you know, what are you looking at, and what are you smiling at, ghost? And he looks at Kevin Costner and says, if you build it, he will come. And he looks over, and he sees a, a young, uh, tall guy, baseball player, on the field, uh, in catcher gear. He's got all the catcher gear on, the mask, everything. And as he's taking off his gear, he reveals that it is Kevin Costner's character's father. Uh, as a younger man, I guess his dad loved baseball. And that was the only thing the two of them had in common. And that was it. But that was the only thing they had in common. Was the fact that they both loved baseball. And his dad did play baseball when he was younger. And he was now a part of this whole thing. And you get to see that the whole message of the film is that if you build it, he will come. And that's his father. His relationship with his father needed to be addressed. It was hanging over his head. You know, just one of those things that he needed to reconcile within himself to move forward in his life. And you, you, this is the part of the film that will grab anybody that has a close relationship with their father or their mother and any parent. It shows that um, you miss them. And between a father and son, there is nothing like um, a young boy getting taught how to throw a baseball and to catch it with a mitt. I remember it. I remember my dad teaching me. So when I watch this scene, it means a lot to Kevin Costner's character that he's playing catch with his dad. Uh, you know, do you want to have a catch? And he actually does say that in the scene. Uh, do, would you like to have a catch? And his dad says, yes, I would. And that's how the film ends with the both of them just throwing the ball back and forth to each other. Um, I actually met the actor that played the father in the final scene. He was at the Cleveland Indians baseball game about three years ago during the summer and uh, my dad and my brother and I went. Isn't that cool? And we got to meet him. And I gave him a hug, I think. Maybe uh, maybe not. But I probably should have. That scene meant a lot to me. Still does today. And it was cool to meet him. We got his autograph. Got a picture of him. I, I don't know if I kept a picture. I had it on my phone for a while. That might have been my older phone. So it's probably gone. It was a nice, cool picture of me my brother and my dad posing with the actor that played Kevin Costner's father in the movie, Field of Dreams. One of my favorites, and because baseball is right around the corner, felt why not? And uh, this might be a special episode. It's going to be a shorter episode because I might do a movie in a couple days. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I might do another movie and send it out on either Friday or Saturday. Because it's such a short episode I did today. Uh, but before I let you go, I want to mention a few little tidbits about this movie before I uh, go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, just uh, one of the things I want to mention was there was a big drought, okay? Uh, and they wanted the cornfields to be real full and everything. And I guess they were all dying. So they went ahead and just in that one location, they had brought in a bunch of water and just flooded everything, right? To, for a good cause and the the crops grew up real nice and i guess all the other farms around the area were real jealous of the fact that this part of town 
<laughs> with, you know, that field was getting all this irrigation, getting some nice water just for a movie. And they're watching their other crops, like their crops just dying. And they're like, son of a bitch, this freaking Hollywood. I wish my cornfield was doing that. Can you throw some water over here? So I thought that was a nice little story. Uh, the real-life Joe Jackson was a soft-spoken, humble Southerner. Mentioned that before. It was a far cry from the brass New York-accented Ray Liotta. And uh, that's cool because I had put that earlier in there before. And I think there was something about Ray Liotta. Um, never really saw this movie uh, and does not remember it fondly because his mother was very ill at this time in his life. Uh, so it's a really sore spot for Ray Liotta, which sucks because it's such a cool movie. And he was a big part of that movie. Um, but, you know, when things happen like that, you know, something bad happens to you in a part of your life. And you think to yourself, everything kind of around that time sucks. So I get it. All right, guys. I, I guess I did uh, put a little tidbits in when I was talking earlier about the film. And I'm glad I did that. Um, I think I'm going to try doing that more often if I do future films. Is that there are a lot of tidbits I find out about movies. And incorporating them into the story is better than sort of separating things. Instead of like just talking about the plot and then talking about tidbits. So if I kind of slip some in from time to time, I think that'll work okay. And this being uh, the third movie I've done, I'm sort of a rookie still doing them. Um, I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. Talking about a movie, uh, Field of Dreams, is a sort of a big, a big film, uh, a big deal, I think, in this time of year. A film to put in and watch. If you've never seen Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner, I recommend it very highly. And especially this time of year with baseball right around the corner. And summer also right around the corner. Um, I want to thank the coolest person in the world. Okay? Suzanne Valentin. She went ahead and donated to this show. And you have no idea... How much that meant to me. I got that little notification a couple of days ago. When you sent the money in. And I was working. I'm working hard and everything. And of course my face is in front of a computer screen. Like pretty much all day. Uh, so I have emails coming in. And that one popped in. Uh, notifying me that I had a donation in there. I really, really appreciate it. And I wanted to go ahead and point it out. That it meant a lot to me. And I said that once I get that very first, like, hey, you know, thank you for what you're doing. It's a, you know, you're doing okay. You're doing a great job. And there's someone out there who appreciates it. Man, does that mean the world to me? Even if it's just a few people. I don't have that many people listening. Uh, I think I did okay this past week. Um, getting to the point where I am getting about, I want to say maybe 40 to 45 downloads a day which is really kind of pathetic, but you know what? I'm not advertising like I should, and I really need to get them the ball and do that. Get it out there. I don't know how. There's got to be a way. i got to figure it out because this is so much fun to do. I have fun doing it. I can't wait to edit it tonight and get it out to you tomorrow. So once again, thank you, Suzanne, which means that if you donate even 50 cents, I will say your damn name up here. Or down here. Well, actually, I'm upstairs, but I'm down on the floor. So I'm kind of up and down. But anyways, thank you for listening to The Actors Room. Once again, my name is Jeff Tarowski. And thank you for listening to this episode featuring Kevin Costner's big hit, Field of Dreams. Um, 
Thank you. Um, I noticed that I went ahead and totally, completely forgot to mention that the director of this film was Phil Alden Robinson. I don't want to leave him out. My God, if I discuss a film, I better have who directed it in here. I mean, what an idiot. How did I miss that? My, oh my. Well, I got, there you go. Goes to show you, I have something to work on for next time I do a film, which might be in a few days. I'll probably go down tonight, relax. It's time to relax. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to sit down. I was just about to say I was going to make myself a drink. I just might do that. Hmm. Maybe two. It was was one of those days, man, where you're going to need a couple just a freaking people, machines, technology. Oh, my. Sometimes you just want to stay in bed. You think to yourself, I should have just stayed in bed today. But you don't know what the day is going to be like. You have no idea until you get there. Oh, I walked in there today and I was like, oh my God. What am I doing here? But anyway, so I'll work on what I got to work on. And I'm going to go down and I'm going to watch a film tonight. Maybe talk about that film in a couple of days. If not, it'll be in a couple of weeks. Um, And in the meantime... I'm working on a Tom Cruise episode, and oh my god, that's going to be good. Let me tell you, that is going to be very good. I'm going to have my brother do it with me, which is going to make it even better. But talking about Tom Cruise, probably going to be a two-parter. I mean, it it has to be. Because we got to talk about his childhood, and then we got to talk about how he got into the business, and then we got to talk about his movies, right? We got to talk about like how big he is because he's a big star, one of the biggest movie stars of all time. So that's, you know, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about him, his personal life, okay? And that entails a lot of different things, but the number one thing, of course, is that damn Scientology BS. I've been spending a lot of time looking up that so-called religion slash cult, whatever the hell it is. Holy shit. That's going to be good. Interesting. If it's not good, it'll be interesting. Can't wait to do that. And I'm almost done with my research on him. Uh, And uh, um, I'm going to be talking with my brother about how we're going to go about doing this. Because it's going to be quite the show. So there's a little insight on future, very near future episode of Tom Cruise. Once again, I think I've said it for the ninth time. Thank you for listening to the Actors Room. God bless you. Have a good one.